Well, good morning, Fellowship family. I'm excited about kicking off this new series with you this morning, and it's called Awkward to Awesome, and this is why. It's kind of awkward, right? You have no idea what this series is about. There is nothing on that screen that gives it away whatsoever, and I am I'm not lying when I tell you this. I actually got a phone call this week and said, Brian, I cannot figure out what this new series is about. And I said, well, that's because we haven't told you. And, and he said, well, I've been going through scripture and I've been trying to find something that would fit awkward to awesome and I haven't found it yet. And my best guess is that's the story of Joseph. Are we doing the story of Joseph? And I said, oh, that's a good guess. But no. This is actually a series about relationships. And you're like, ooh, relationships. What kind of relationships? What are we talking about? Are we talking about marriage? Are we talking about parenting? And no, we're not talking about marriage or parenting. But yes, marriage and parenting are relationships. We're talking about every relationship that we have, the ones in our schools and in our places of business, business, because God has put us into relationships. You were born into a family. He has made us a family of families. You're in a home or you're in an apartment. You have people that live around you. You might have good relationships or bad relationships with them, but they are the people you are in relationship with. You are in classes and on sports teams and in all sorts of environments with people. We do relationships. And we have had so many relationships that are awesome. We have those relationships that we see them walking across the street and we cannot wait to get to them. We want to shake their hand. We want to give them a hug. We want to hear about what's going on in their lives because they bring us immense joy. And we thrive in those relationships. But then we have those other relationships that are kind of awkward. That for one reason or another, they don't work the way that they're supposed to. Maybe there has been mis-expectations or mistrust. Maybe there has been wounding or sin has come in. Or maybe you just got off on the wrong foot and nothing has ever made it to the level of being an awesome relationship. And you're kind of stuck in being awkward And if I'm being honest with you, I don't usually do awkward relationships all that well. And I'm guessing that you guys might not do awkward relationships all that well either. And sometimes the first thing that we want to do is run to other people and to tell them about our awkward relationships and see if we can find some support in them instead of dealing with the issue at hand. And so what this series is going to seek to do over the next four weeks is to give us some tools to be able to move some of our relationships from awkward to awesome by looking at four stories from the life of Christ. And so what I invite you to do right now is to turn your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 6. Luke, chapter 6. And Luke 6 is Luke's account of the Sermon of the Mount. And there are some stories that are exactly the same, and there's some wording that's a little bit different, and there's there's a little bit of wording that Luke uses that's a little bit more. And so we're going to look at Luke's account of this passage talking about how we can treat and deal with one another. But in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is dealing with a crowd. And there are all sorts of people in the crowd, but there's also a gathering of Pharisees in the crowd, leaders of the people. And many times he's speaking directly to them. And he's talking about the way that they treat the people they lead. And we have some things that we can learn from him And he begins in chapter 6, verse 37. He says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. 
He sets up this pattern where he has A and then B. Judge not, you will not be judged. Condemn not, you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. And so there's this pattern that he has set up. It's this pattern of A and then B. If you do A, then you will receive B. If you are judgmental and you go out and you are critical and you are putting down, people are going to be critical and judge you. If you condemn them and write them off, people will condemn you and write them off. But on the other hand, if you forgive, you will be forgiven. And then in verse 38, he continues with this. He says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. And it's this image of someone who's going out to buy grain. And they have a basket. And they go to the person and they get their little scoop of grain. And there's a little sifter and they put it on there so it'll go into the basket. And they sift it to get the wheat down. And what you're hoping for when you're buying grain is someone with a generous scoop. Someone who's not just going to measure things out and make sure it's exact. You want someone who's going to be generous with you. I think about feeding our, our last dog, Bailey. We had Bailey for 11 years. She was a great dog. And I was entirely in charge of feeding her. And Bailey was very overweight. (laughs) You see, her favorite thing in the world to do was eat. She just lit up. And when I was really happy with Bailey, when things were going really well, I would go get that first scoop, and I'd put that scoop in, and then I'd look at her, and she'd be like, (sighs) so excited. And I'd be, oh, Bailey, I can't wait. And I'd give her a big old scoop of food. You know, I don't care about that vet appointment that's coming up where she's going to have to get weighed. I just give her that big scoop of food, and I put it in, and then you watch her eat, and there's so much joy there. But then other times, you know, when she's going to the bathroom where she's not supposed to, or she's chewing something she's not. It's like, you know, Bailey, you're going to that vet appointment. I got to make sure I'm going to scoop that food off right at the level. We all understand this, right? And he says right in the text, he says, for with the measure you use it, this judge and condemn and forgive and give, the measure that you dole these things out, it will be measured back to you. And so we find ourselves in these relationships and we need to remember something that what we sow, we will reap. In our relationships, what we sow, we will reap. We understand this in the physical world, right? If I go out and I plant an apple tree, I'm going to get... Are you guys sure? (laughs) You're going to get apples. You're not going to get oranges. If you go out and you plant corn, you're not going to get wheat. We understand what we sow, we will reap. It makes sense to us, but it's also the same in our relationships. The way we treat other people in our lives is the way that we will be treated. But we don't usually talk about the language of sowing and reaping in everyday life. And so let's, let's translate that for a little bit for our, our modern, day, modern day world. A little bit later in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Matthew account, he gives us the golden rule. And he says, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. The way I learned that growing up was do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Treat others the way that you want to be treated. Jesus later will say in the great commandment, love one another as you love yourself. We love ourselves. We want the best for ourselves. We should be able to do that for someone else. And to be completely honest with you, this should come a lot easier for us than it does. The reason I say that is this. 
Think about who we are as people. We stood before a holy God and he had every right to judge us. He had every right to condemn us. We had rebelled against him, but he didn't do that. No, he forgave us. He gave his one and only son who came and lived and died in my place and in your place so that we might be forgiven. He has given so generously to us. He has brought us into his family. He has restored our relationship. And now we have the opportunity to show that gospel off to a world that needs it. We have the ability to go out and uh, reap and sow and show that these relationships just are a model of the gospel. When it comes to these relationships and when they get awkward and really in all of our relationships, we can remember that what we sow, we will reap. And that should define how we treat one another. Jesus continues on in verse 39. It says, he also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? Now, that's a rhetorical question. It doesn't really demand an answer. We know the answer to this question. If you have a blind man leading a blind man, you don't give them any aids, you don't give them any help, you don't put them in an environment that they know, and there are pitfalls out there, they're going to fall into it. They're going to fall off of it. They're going to run into something. The blind aren't supposed to lead the blind, you're supposed to help them. And then he says in verse 40, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Out of all the verses in the text that we're going to study today, this is the one that haunts me the most. Because he's looking at those leaders, he's looking at those Pharisees, and says, you're supposed to be leading the people, but you are the blind leading the blind. You don't understand this, and they are going to look like you. So I think about the teams that I get to lead. And when there's awkwardness on our team, when there's conflict on our team, and I'm trying to deal with that issue, I have the rest of our team who's watching the way I do this conflict. I think about being in my home. When there's conflict between my wife and I, or when there's conflict between my children and I, everyone else is watching. And they're learning from the way that I interact. And what I sow, I will reap. And it should stick with me more than it does. And Jesus continues, though, in verse 41. He says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. And so I have a few things up here we're going we're gonna to mess around with. And the first thing I have up here is sawdust. And I don't really expect you guys to be able to see it very well, but sawdust is what happens when you cut wood and you have these little specks, right? And he says, why do, you, why do you not notice the speck that is in your eye, but you notice the log in your brother's eye? Well, like when you have a speck in your own eye, you notice Right? You get a little sawdust in there, it's pretty irritating. Your, your, your eye can get scratched, your eye can water, and it's, it's pretty irritating to get this in your own eye. But as you notice, it's really small. Right? There's no way you could see that very, very clearly at all. And that's Jesus' point. We look at one another and we see these small things going on in our other brother's life, in our other sister's life, and we want to jump in it. But what we don't see 
is this very, very clear log that's coming out of our eye. And see, just case in point, I can see these people over here pretty well, but I can't see anything going on over here. And Jesus said, this is what it's like when we have issues going on in our own life that are distracting us from our own issues. We can see very clearly sometimes what's going on in someone else's life, but we are ignoring this very large piece of wood that's sticking out of my face. Jesus says, why do you do that? Why do we notice the speck in someone else's eye, but we don't notice the log in ours? Well, it's because I don't think we're trained to deal with conflict very well. In fact, this is how I think we deal with conflict. This is a spotlight. Okay? Now, don't worry. I have no electricity. Okay? Although, it would be really kind of fun if I did. Don't you think? I'd feel even more like a ghostbuster. But we've been trained to deal with spot with with other people's stuff in their in our relationships by using a spotlight, and we go and we want to go into their darkness and invade it with our light, with our truth, and we want to put them on display for everyone else to see. This is what they've done to me. This is how I've been wronged. This is what I deserve. This is what you get. This is how I'm going to get even, and everyone's going to know that I'm right. This is what our news is full of. This is what our social media is full of. This is what's going on in our own lives. We are very quick to wanting to turn the spotlight onto everyone else. And Jesus says, why, why do you notice the speck that is in someone else's life when you don't see the log or the two by four in your own? And so I've been making a case this morning that we need to move from a spotlight to a mirror. Now I can do the same thing with a mirror. I can aim this so that you can see it, but I don't think that would uh, make Jesus' point very well. No, what I think Jesus wants us to do with a mirror is to look directly into it. And I'm not going to lie, it's very um, awkward to be looking into a mirror in front of all of you. <laughs> because the reality of looking into a mirror is we don't often like what we see. We don't often look like the way that our hair looks today or the accessories that we chose. We don't like the way our outfit is hanging off of us today. We don't often like the physical appearance. I don't really like looking in a mirror. Imagine looking in a mirror that could see inside of your soul. That could see your thoughts and the things you don't share with anyone else. That could see into your motives can see past the veneer that we like to project to everyone else, to what's truly going on. Looking in that mirror is frightening. But what Jesus tells us is, why do you see the speck in someone else's eye and you ignore what is there so plainly in front of you? And what it's time for us to do is it's time for us to look in the mirror and deal with ourselves. And Jesus moves on in verse 42 to say this, He says, how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye, you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye. So in these relationships that have become awkward, what do we need to do? We need to remove the log that is in our eye. 
Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to remove the log? It means that we need to deal with us first. I need to deal with my sin, my baggage, the things that I have contributed to the problem. I need to look in a mirror and tell myself the truth about who I am and what I have done and remove the log from my own eye. Now, I'm not going to lie. It's not always fun and it's not very easy. But I want to tell you that I believe it works. I have a relationship with a guy and I would say that we have an awesome relationship. We really do. But there are times, like every good relationship, that it goes into awkwardness. And one such time, we were having a discussion in somewhat of a public place. And we began talking, and then uh, a third party came up. And we began talking about this third party, and it became pretty clear that we didn't see, we weren't on the same page about this third party. I think about Paul and Barnabas when they were arguing about John Mark and they had to go their separate ways. Well, that's what we should have done that day. We should have gone our separate ways. But in great immaturity, we didn't do that. We just proceeded to get louder. And we began to make our points more and more emphatically. And then finally, my friend made his last point and was kind of loud in doing so. And so I got even louder and made my even more emphatic point. And he turned and walked away. And I was so happy because I won before I realized that, no, I really, I really lost. You see, we didn't talk for a few days, and that was really unusual in that relationship. And so I knew what I needed to do. I needed to swallow my pride. I didn't have to change all of my opinions, but I needed to restore my relationship with my brother. And so I texted him. I said, can we play tennis? Because that's one of the things we did. And so we went and played tennis. You want to know it was really awkward? Playing an entire set of tennis without speaking. But that's what we did, and we played. And at the end of the first set, we said, I said, hey, I, I got to talk to you. And I didn't have to tell them what we needed to talk about. It was painfully obvious what we needed to talk about. But I said, I need to apologize to you. The words that I chose to use and the tone that I used those words in, they were not honoring to you. And I need to apologize. And I need to ask for your forgiveness and try to restore this relationship. And it melted his heart. He began to do the same back to me and we were able to restore our relationship because there is something about humility when we will look at a discussion or look at a disagreement, look at an awkward relationship, whether we are 5% of the problem or 55% of the problem or 95% of the problem, when we are willing to humble ourselves and remove the log from our own eye, God steps in and works and moves. But the objection to that is always, does that mean we don't get to deal with their stuff? Does that mean I just get to let them walk over me? Do, do we never get to the part where, I, where, where we can get, you know, get my frustrations out on the table? And, and Jesus clearly talks about this. He tells us to remember that what you sow, you will reap. He tells you to remove the log from your own eye, and then you get to reframe the discussion. Here in verse 42, he says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then, it's a process, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. 
one of the issues that we have when we go into a discussion is we can't see clearly. We have this two by four in our face that is blocking the way that we are seeing the other person. And Jesus says, if you will calm down and remove that, deal with you first, then you'll be able to move in and deal clearly with your brother. Deal clearly with your brother. Seeing clearly, then you can address the issue at hand. And you're going to need to know, ultimately, what is it that you want? Because if what you want is to win, if what you want is to have fairness, if what you want is revenge or for them to be shown to be who they are, then don't do this. It will not work for you. But if what you want from them is a restored relationship, if what you want for them is for God to be honored in the midst of your disagreement, in the midst of your awkward relationship, then you can try this because you can reframe the discussion. Instead of going in with, you did this, you owe me this, you should have done this, I deserve this. You go in with, Hey, I, when I said this, I hurt you. And when I did this, I hurt you. And I need to seek an apology for the way that I've treated you. And when you said this, this is how I felt. Can we, can we deal with this? Can we talk about this? Because what I want from you is not to get even. What I want from you is to be restored. And that change in posture that happens when you come with humility allows you to be heard in an entirely new way. Jesus says first, take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck of dust from your brother's eye. So he has laid out this process for us. We can all agree, I believe, that we are all in relationships. And most of us have had relationships that have gone exceedingly awkward. And we need to look at the way we do all of our relationships in our homes and in our businesses, in our schools. Are we seeing that it's true that you reap what you sow? And how is that affecting the way we don't judge and don't condemn? We don't write people off. How is that affecting the way that you forgive and that you give? We've seen that you remove the log from your own eye and that you reframe the discussion, seeing clearly to talk to your brother or your sister. But I need to talk about one more re-word. And that re-word is results. I wish I could stand before you today and tell you if you would just follow this passage. You go Luke 6, 37 through 42, and you do it all the way, that every single time your relationship would be restored because I have seen God do some unbelievable things in relationships. I have seen him take the most broken people just like me and restore them. I have seen him take situations that looked hopeless and bring hope to them because when people come in humility, people get heard and the gospel could do its work. But I've also sat in the room when one side offered humility and offered forgiveness and the other side got up and walked out. So what I need to tell you this morning is that the results are not up to you. And that brings me great hope. 
A repaired relationship has nothing to do with my ability to convince someone else to accept me. A repaired relationship has nothing to do with my effort or the way I can manipulate something to benefit me. No, all that I am called to do is be faithful. I'm called to honor Jesus with the way that I treat my brother and my sister, and the results are up to him. And sometimes he takes a relationship and goes from awkward to awesome, and sometimes it resides in awkward for a little bit more. But what we are called to do is in the words of Romans 12, 18. It says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. In every circumstance that you have an opportunity, it is on you to try. It is on you to put yourself out there, to remove the log from your own eye, to reframe the discussion and to go in humility to try to work something out. But the results are not up to you. You cannot make someone live peaceably with you, but you can live peaceably with them. You can let them go and release them of this bitterness and whatever you are holding against them because you understand that you have a Savior who has released you from judgment and condemnation. And you can treat them the way that you want to be treated. So if you are like me and you are sitting there, um, a name pops in your head. Every time I'm on the receiving end or I'm talking about this passage, a name or a face comes into my mind that I have an awkward relationship with. It might be someone that you pull into the driveway and see every day, whether it's in your home or not in your home. It might be someone who sits in the cubicle next to you, someone that's on the baseball team, someone who's in your English class. I don't know where this person is, but you have a name or a face or a situation that you're thinking about right now. What I would ask you to consider is this. Would you try out the wisdom of Jesus? Would you consider taking stock of that relationship, of how you have treated them and how you have poured out forgiveness and generosity to them. Would you be willing to lay down and say that you're sorry for something that you have contributed to the problem and come in humility to try to restore a broken friendship? I believe that our God is great. And what I believe he wants for us as a people is to be united He says how sweet it is when brothers dwell together in unity. And then he says when uh, people will know that you belong to me by the way you love one another. Let us be people who go out there and seek to have great relationships with those God has put in our path. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and thank you for the teaching of Jesus. And Father, his words pierce to our soul. And he calls us to a level of holiness and righteousness that seems so hard to grasp. But Father, you have put his righteousness in us by giving us his life. Father, you sent your one and only son to die for us so that we may live, so that we may be forgiven, so that we may go out as people of the second chance, knowing how greatly we have been forgiven we have an opportunity to go out and forgive. Father, if we are still here, you have us here for a reason, and that reason is so that we will be people of love. Help us to go out and restore relationships so that you may be honored and glorified. 
In Jesus' name we pray, amen.